highest of heights to the depths of the Notice verse 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. And then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I shall go to him who sent me. And of course, Jesus is speaking of his death that he knew was coming, and he knew that it was soon. Every creature's unique in the song that it sings, all exclaiming, indescribable. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus says in our scripture today, I shall be with you a little while longer. As the religious leaders sent officers to take him, Jesus assured the officers that he would go away, but only at the appointed time, at his ascension. They would not take him away at the present time. Jesus spoke of his coming ascension to heaven, but they didn't understand. Like everything else in life, God controls all things, including the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. God's timing is perfect with all things. Now let's join Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. Come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting, speaking very clearly hundreds of years before he was incarnate in the flesh. It speaks of Jesus. All they had to do was a little research. They said they know where he was from. Many of, some of them did know where he was from. From Bethlehem. The scripture says that's where he came from, and sure enough, he did. What about an Isaiah? That he would come from Galilee as well. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. And afterward, more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. Who is that light? Jesus. Yes. It's Jesus. All they had to do was look into it. We know where this man is from. Some did, but many didn't. But some were hung up on this idea that, the, that, that they, they, nobody would know where Jesus would come from, where the Messiah would come from. But the, but the Bible makes it very clear where he came from. It makes it very clear. We'll look at that more as we go. But notice in verse 28, Jesus cried out as he taught in the temple, being there somewhat incognito, having a group of people around him that he was teaching, And he says, you both know me and you know where I am from and I have not come of myself. But he who sent me is true, whom you do not know. Many of them that were standing there did not know. And Jesus clearly is speaking that he is one with the Father. Do you see that here? The one who sent me, he's the one who sent me. And who was it? God the Father sent him. God the Father sent him. He was sent to earth to redeem man. 
And the evidence that they understood this is that they sought to kill him because because they thought he was a blasphemer. They sought to kill him. You claim to be God? That's blasphemy. It is true. If you claim to be God and you're not, that is blasphemy. But when you are God, it's not blasphemy. It's just the truth, isn't it? And hadn't they been looking for the Messiah for a long time? And there he is, filling, fulfilling all the scriptures. See, you know what? It's so easy to be religious and just have your head in the sand. But they were religious, and they had their head in the sand. Business was going on. They were, the, the wealthy, the, the religious leaders were making a lot of money. They had a lot of power and authority and prestige. And now someone comes and is just pulling the rug out from underneath them. And do you think they're going to go quietly? Do you think they're going to be upset about that? You better believe they are. They're going to be very upset about it. But verse 29, But I know him, Jesus said. I know, I know the Father, for I am from him, and he sent me. And again, so critical to know where Jesus is from. He was, in, he was always preexistent before he even came into the womb of the Virgin Mary. What does the Bible tell us in John chapter 1? In the beginning was the Word, the Logos, which is Jesus Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. And Jesus, folks, is not just some other man. He's not some other prophet. He's not just a guru or some holy roller. Jesus is the Son of God. It says in verse 14 of the first chapter of John that he's the Word became flesh. That's what it says. Whoever this Logos is, this Word of God, became flesh and dwelt among us. There's only one that I know of that became flesh and dwelt among us. The Logos, Jesus Christ. He always existed before, even before he was incarnate in the Virgin Mary, the virgin birth. Isn't that what this chapter, this whole book actually is about this? It's the theme. But these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and believing you might have life through his name. That is why we go through this, because that is the purpose of the Gospel of John. These things that we're looking apart, looking at have been cherry-picked for us to reveal to us that Jesus is the Son of God and that he's with the Father. Jesus, in John 17, I would encourage you to read the entire 17th chapter of this Gospel because it is wonderful. Jesus spoke these words, and he lifted up his eyes. And I want you to hear the oneness. I want you to hear the unity between the Father and the Son. The, 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 they're, 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 they're like this. They're, they're, they can't be taken apart. Jesus said in, in John 17, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. He says, Father, the hour has come. <laughs> glorify your Son, that your Son may also glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh that he might give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I finished the work which you gave me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, notice, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Before, the world, before Genesis 1, verse 1, in the beginning was God. In the beginning, God created the heavens. Before all that, he was there with him. And he goes on and he speaks of the unity. And, 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 and the pronouns are incredible. He's just talking about you and me and I and they and we are together, we are one. 
the, the whole chapter is quite amazing. Quite amazing. Back in our text, verse 30, it says, Therefore they sought to take him, but again no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Again, the power and the timetable of God. God's timetable was not going to be thwarted. No one can play chess with God and win. No one can thwart the will and the plan of God. Man can try all he wants, but here's the advantage that God has. He lives outside of time. Isaiah 57 verse 15 tells us that. That he dwells in eternity. That means that he, he, can, he can see the end from the beginning. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. Our very lives, God can look upon each one of us, and he knows the moment before we were even born to the moment after we die and everything beyond. He can see it as all as if it's already completed. He doesn't control you. You have the responsibility to respond to him and to walk with him, and he lets you have that free choice, which is very scary, by the way. That free choice, you have to make that decision in this life. But he knows already what choice you're ultimately going to make because he already seen the beginning from the end. But that has no bearing on you. You need to choose. Have you chosen? If, if that unnerves you a little bit, hallelujah. <laughs> because the, if it unnerves me a little bit, it's because I'm a little nervous about it. But what is the best thing you can do if you're a little nervous about that? Is give your heart to Jesus. Why? Because he loves you. Nobody loves you like him. Is there anybody who loves you enough to give God would come and die on the cross for you? There's no one like that. There will be no one who will treat you like that. And even though he knows all things about us, he still loves us. Does that just bring your heart into oneness with him? Doesn't it make you want to know him if he's that good? He really is that good, folks. He loves tremendously. His love is like a, like a lightning bolt. His purity is like a lightning bolt. It's like a beam. It's like a laser beam. Oh, my goodness. I can't even imagine the depth and the breadth and the height and the width of God's love and his character and his holiness, his love Oh my gosh, has anybody experienced that? One day we're going to experience it in its fullness. But no one dared lay a hand on him because his time wasn't yet. There were times in the Bible, and we looked at already John 17, verse 1. But there was a time when Jesus said, My hour has come, that time that he would be glorified on the earth, that he would be crucified on the cross, and that he would die on that cross, be buried in the tomb, and then three days rise again. His hour had come. Therefore, they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him. His hour had not yet come. And I love what it says in John chapter 10. It says, Therefore my Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received of my Father. So let me ask you, was Jesus martyred? Is he just a martyr? Was he just a religious figure that was put to death and we all have his plaque on the wall? (laughs) No, there's nothing under that. (laughs) Believe me, yes, he was killed, but he was not martyred. That verse proves it. 
He was the one who was in control, not the Roman government. He knew exactly what was happening. In fact, it was that purpose that he came. It was for that reason, for you and I, he loves you with an intense love, even in spite of all the stuff that we've done, even in spite of our past, the ugly things that nobody even wants to talk about, that we would just love to bury in the sea, under, you know, a thousand leagues under the sea, under some rock. You know, we want to bury those things, and God says, I know that about you, and guess what? I love you, and I want you to come to me. I know you're hurting. I know you're guilty. I know what that guilt has done to you. I know what the fear of being exposed, what that's done to you. It's caused your heart to be like a stone. You're afraid to be uncovered. Are you afraid to be uncovered? Let God do that. You don't have to, it doesn't have to be in public. God would much rather deal with you in private. He doesn't need to expose you. But it's good to get honest with him because guess what? He knows everything already. Try play hide and seek with God. David even says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, you're there. If I make my bed in the farther across the sea, I, you know, there's nowhere you can hide from God. There's no, nowhere. Aren't you glad there's someone like him? That just gives my soul a great release. Can I get an amen? amen. Yeah, I, I love that. But he paid the price once and for all. In fact, on the cross, what did he say? It is finished. Your sin has been atoned for. He alone finished it. And he did it once and for all. There are no other sacrifices that need to happen. Back in our text. Yes, hallelujah. Verse 31, it says, And many of the people believed in him and said, When the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these? Have you noticed people get hung up on signs? I just want to be entertained. I want to see this thing turn into Pepsi. I want to see this thing turn into Coca-Cola and be cold so I can just, you know. People are hung up on miracles. Is he going to do more signs than this? And yet they say they believed him, but then they said when the Christ, when the Messiah comes, don't you find that a little bit of a paradox? People believed in him, but yet they still, their understanding of him was still incomplete. And that's true for a lot of people, and that's okay. That's okay. It's okay to start there, Right? Because we learn as we grow. We learn as we read the Word of God. We learn more about His character, who He is. So some people believed in them, but they didn't completely understand who He was. Certainly their expectations were also skewed. And that's why it's so important for biblical literacy. Every one of us own a Bible. Most families own a Bible, but it's in a box somewhere in storage in the corner with mildew forming on it. Biblical illiteracy is one of the problems in our country today. And you won't find it in the schools. The only time they get it is when they're here with their, with their families. God has been kicked out of the schools. Now, there are some here that work and are Christians, and you work in a public school, you are the light there. And I don't mean to um, any disrespect by that, because you are the only light in that school. So don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but the administrators, they don't want Christ. They've rejected him. And is it any wonder our school system is going to hell in a handbasket? Is it any wonder that all the stuff that we see is, being, is creating all these problems? Is it any wonder? I've I, I got to be honest with you, that breaks my heart. You know, it's one thing to be an adult and to be subjected to the nonsense, the whole gender 
critical race theory, all this stuff, to be submitted and subjected to this nonsense. It's one thing for it to be an adult, but for children, Jesus has a very solemn word for those. He says, if you hurt any one of these young ones, it would be better for you that a millstone were tied around your neck and that you were cast in the depths of the sea. That's God's words, not mine. That's what he said. Pray for the schools. Pray for the kids. Pray for the administrators. Get involved in your school meetings. For heaven's sake, be an agent for good. Because let me tell you, if there's ever a time we need it, it's right now. I digress. So... But just believing miracles, they wanted to see signs. Romans says, Romans 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't come by just seeing a miracle. I would encourage you to read The Rich Man and Lazarus. You know, at the end of that, the, the rich man said to, to, to Abraham in this dialogue, He says, you know, send somebody back to my family and tell them of this horrible place of torment that I'm in. And notice what Moses, or I'm sorry, Abraham said. He says, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. A miracle just comes and goes. It doesn't change people. But what does change people is the word of God. The faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's what we are. Faith, as we are sitting here, our faith is being encouraged. Why? Because we're reading the word of God. That's what encourages my faith, right? Does it encourage you? It's encouraging mine. I love it. I feel like a kid. You know, I love it. Notice verse 32. The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. And then Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I shall go to him who sent me. And of course, Jesus is speaking of his death that he knew was coming, and he knew that it was soon. But after Jesus' death and resurrection, he would ascend to the Father. I mean, isn't that what it says when Jesus on the cross? Didn't he say there at the end of verse 46 in Luke 23, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit? Yes, he did. He commended his spirit. He was going to go to the Father. They were not going to see him. And after his resurrection, it would be 40 days that he would be seen on the earth. And then he would be... He would ascend into heaven 40 days after his resurrection. They wouldn't see him anymore until he comes back for the church at the rapture. Are you looking forward to that day? I'm looking forward to the rapture. And I'm really looking forward to when we come back on those noble steeds at the end. (laughs) Heaven on earth for a thousand years. And then eternity afterwards. I love it. He says, you will seek me and not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. The reason they couldn't come is because not only would he not be physically present, but at that moment, Jesus knew who were his and who weren't his. And he, as he's looking at these people, he can look and see exactly. He knew those who would believe and had genuine faith. But the religious leaders, the one who are supposed to be leading them into God's presence and into God's favor and blessing, they are the ones that Jesus said, you aren't going to be able to come because you don't know me. And boy, was that an affront to them. It's probably a good thing that the guns weren't invented back then. They would have shot him on the spot. 
Verse 35, he says, When Jesus said among themselves, when, I'm sorry, then the Jews said among themselves, Where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? What does he intend to go to the, does he intend to go to the dispersion among the, the Greeks and, and teach the Gentiles? And as natural, you know, they were thinking in the natural, not thinking spiritually, and they were the spiritual leaders, but you still, they're, they're, they're thinking of terra firma. <laughs> Their eyes were always on the ground rather than looking up. What is this thing that he said, you will seek me and not find me, and where I am you cannot come again? He knew who were his. And on that day, that last day, remember the the Feast of Tabernacles was a seven-day feast, and on the very last day, it was a solemn assembly, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Let him come to me and drink. One of the rituals that would happen in Jerusalem at this time is for each of those seven days in that feast, the priest would take a golden pitcher and he would go from the Temple Mount and go down south of the Temple Mount into the Gihon Spring, which we visit when we go to, uh, to Israel. And you can actually walk through the channel in the, in the somewhat darkness. It's really exciting. But anyway, so they, they fill the pitcher with water from the Gihon Spring and they take it all the way back up to the Temple Mount and they pour it on the altar. And they do that as a remembrance of how God provided for them water from the rock during their desert wanderings. We see it in Deuteronomy chapter 20. And we also see a fulfillment of this even looking forward into the millennial reign of Christ. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Have you drunk deep of Christ? Have you taken it in? When we take communion, that's what we do. We take the the very elements that signify, that symbolically are of his body and his blood. And we take it deep within us. I mean, it couldn't be any deeper. We, We swallow it and it goes in the middle of us. And we agree that he is the Christ. If anyone thirsts, let him come and drink. So in this final day, this most solemn day, Jesus offered himself as the the key to salvation. He is the everlasting stream in our hearts. And he who believes in me, Jesus said, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Doesn't that speak of spiritual contentment and satisfaction? If you have the peace With God, you will have the peace of God. But if you are if you don't have peace with God, it's because of your it's your own fault. It's because you've lived a life of rebellion. And believe me, I remember the day when I gave my heart to Christ, when I asked him to forgive me for every foul and deviant, wicked, twisted thing that I've ever done in my life, and I confessed it to him on my knees, privately, in a room. I remember the very day, and I slept like a baby that night. And I've slept like a baby ever since then. Have peace with God. And how are you going to have peace with God? Through Christ. He is the reason. And then you'll have the peace of God. Have you found that Jesus is the rest that you've always wanted? Have you found that his yoke is easy and his burden to be light? Have you experienced that for yourself? Is your search over or are you still searching? That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.